how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. In the film Supercon, a ragtag group of former television stars and comic book artists who make their living working at conventions decide to steal the loot from a crooked promoter and overbearing television icon. We sit down with writer-director Zach Knudsen, who's also worked on films like Milius, Marvel's 75 Years, and Marvel's Captain America, to talk about his new comedy, Supercon. In the interview, the filmmaker discusses the importance of making movies just to make people laugh, making a pop culture movie within complex copyright laws, improv with comedians, how John Milius influenced his work, what it was like to work with Kevin Smith on several projects, and how the core idea behind Supercon came from a real robbery. I'll be honest with you. I wanted when I was a kid. I wanted to be an astronaut. The next week, I wanted to be a you know army guy. And next week, I wanted to be Batman. And then I kind of realized that I couldn't do all any of those things. But if I was in, if I was like an actor or one of these director guys, I kept hearing about, I could be all those guys. That's kind of where it came from, you know. And um, Chop Shop Entertainment was a behind the scenes company that I ran with Joey Figueroa. And uh, we did that for about five years, and uh, the last thing we did was Milius, which was a documentary on John Milius, who wrote and directed uh, *Come of the Barbarian* and wrote *Apocalypse Now* and stuff like that. Did you? Was that kind of one of your influencers? Was John Milius? Did that, did that those kind of movies inspire you to kind of get into the industry as well? Yeah, I mean, John Milius. Uh, yeah, there's nothing. Uh, unique about my experience. It's kind of like with a lot of people my age, you know, it's Steven Spielberg, it's George Lucas, it's John Milius. And then the older you get, the kind of deeper you go, all of a sudden you start finding John Cassavetes and Sam Peckinpah and those guys do. So I'd say those are probably the the biggest influences, you know. What kind of inspired you to work on that uh, documentary? He looks like a, like a, almost like a character who's a real person, kind of like Hunter S. Thompson. What were your kind of first takes on him as an actual person? I mean, that's that's kind of why we wanted to do it, because John had this character about him, and it really seemed like when you started talking to people, you found out there were two different... There was John, and then there was Milius. You know, John was the guy who was your best friend. He talked to you, you know, yuck it up, all that kind of stuff. 
Milius was the guy at the party who'd bring out the 45 at midnight and fire a couple rounds in the air on New Year's Eve. Well, I just find that guy interesting. Now, some people say there's this, some people say, you're, no, your documentary subjects have to be likable or your characters, they all have to be likable. I really reject that. I just think they have to be interesting, you know, and especially when you're doing a documentary, that's what I care about. Whether people think John's a nice guy or not, I don't really care about. It's the character that we're trying to talk about. That's what I want to get into. And uh, I think we did that. So what kind of happened next? So, so Supercon is about, you know, a, a, like a Comic-Con-like event. You've done a lot of stuff around Marvel and you're friends with Kevin Smith. What, what were kind of your, your next pieces of the puzzle and how did you meet Kevin Smith and get into comic books and everything else? Well, I'd say, well, comic books, it was always something I was kind of into, but it wasn't like now. You know, then you kind of had to be, you were kind of ashamed you read comic books or it was difficult finding somebody else who read comic books because it wasn't the cool kid thing. Like now you see these kids walking around with Captain America shield t-shirts and they're like, that's the cool thing. And when I was a kid, you got beat up for that kind of stuff. Um so I've always kind of been into the comic books and things. Um, I met Kevin. I got a job as the production secretary on Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. And that kind of snowballed and over the next 10 years. I worked on everything from Jersey Girl. I was the post-production coordinator and then Clerks 2. Uh, I was the uh, I was the complete sexual deviant having sex with a donkey. I did that, but we also did all the DVD stuff, which is the stuff I'm most proud of because we would do feature-length documentaries, we'd do webisodes, and we'd create these entire things, which was really a blast. And we did that for a while. And um, the last thing I did with Kevin was I co-produced and co-directed a show he did for Hulu called Spoilers, and that was about four years ago. And then since then, like I said, we've kind of been uh, we've kind of been working on Supercon, <laughs> which I'll let anybody else determine if that's a good or a bad thing. Well, where did that original idea come from for Supercon? You're kind of combining, you know, what the what the festivals are like, but also there's like a robbery. Where did where did that idea come from? The idea came from I think the well the core idea of it came from the fact that we were uh, Dan and I were flying to Florida to go to a comic book convention, and we heard a story about. Um, Four guys dressed up as stormtroopers had uh, stolen $100,000 from Dragon Con. And how they had escaped was they got out through the cosplay parade that takes over all of downtown Atlanta during the con. And I just thought, God, it's kind of, kind of a cool idea for a movie. And you've never seen it. It's kind of stupid. You know, and that's kind of my favorite stuff, you know, as far as comedy skill. And so Dana and I started talking about it. And then um, I had the idea of like, well, why don't we just go to Disney or not, not Disney. Why don't we go to Lucasfilm and see if we can maybe, you know, they'll let us do this because they've done it with fanboys. But then Disney bought Lucasfilm and we thought there's no way they're going to let these characters get outside of it. And especially in an independent world, like it's not going to happen. So, and plus at that point we had brought on Andy Sipes, and um, Andy's got a show on YouTube right now, Dallas and Robo with John Cena. And uh, so anyway, Andy came on and we just kind of tweaked it into our own world and what it's now become. And that's really kind of how the whole thing came together. But cons, I just thought was unique because you haven't seen many movies take, because when we were doing this, Ted 2 hadn't been out yet and a few others, like nobody had really kind of gotten into this realm before. And I just thought it'd be fun. Because we just wanted to make a movie that would make people laugh. Because right now, 
in what the world is as it stands. It's like there's so little laughter anywhere. It's like, no, just go just have, let's just make a movie to laugh. That's it. Like it's getting too dark and too dreary. Like, let's just go for the jokes. And uh, I thought the con culture was the good way to do that. Were there any, I would imagine there's some precautions or issues with copyright. Do you have to make up some characters? Do you have to avoid using some characters? How does all that work when you're making a film like this? Yeah, it's extremely difficult when you're doing a uh, movie about a comic book convention and you don't have any rights to any comic book characters. <laughs> Essentially, what you do at that point is what we did. We had put out the feeler to the local artists because one of the things we want to do, because this isn't San Diego Comic-Con. A lot of people have been saying, oh, it's like San Diego. It's like this movie is nothing about San Diego. San Diego is kind of like the Super Bowl of comic book conventions. This is just a mid-range convention. You know, it just takes place like, you know, there's three or four of them going around the country at any given time. So you've got this. Uh, yeah, one of the things you wanted, because it first off, have a great art department so that they can create a lot of these things. But at the same time, if you go out to the local artists and the guys who actually go to these cons and have their booths at these cons, you say, hey, if you want to come down. And so everybody in the movie who has a booth, all those booths are all run by the local artists and those guys, and they bring their own stuff. And you're like, hey, can we use it and put it up? You still own the rights. We don't want to, but if you put it up. And that's how we got a lot of that stuff. And it was invaluable. It was huge for us because we couldn't have Batman. If we did have Batman, it would have to be a parody of Batman. So that's like we see a red stormtrooper in the beginning. That's why he's got the flavor flav clock and the tangle on his hat. It's like, yeah, because that guy obviously would not exist in the Star Wars universe. And then you can run with it. So that's really kind of where that that kind of stuff came from. So let's talk about the casting. So you have a lot of, you know, your your main stars are actually from, you know, shows and series like Maggie Grace is from Lost and, and Ryan's from True Blood, Clancy Brown's from Nightmare on Elm Street. How important was it to have people that are already kind of in that universe playing characters? We didn't. Here's the nice thing is people, I've got asked that question before, but the, but the interesting thing about it that we were thinking about the other night when we were really trying to get into the casting of it was it's hard to find somebody who's not associated with that world now. It's really difficult, you know? It's like even when you're looking at the bad guy list, it's like, man, you run down and 95% of those guys are involved in DC, Marvel, or, you know, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. But you, you, it's, it's difficult to find anybody who's not associated with it now, which is kind of the fun part as well, you know? At least for me on this movie. And really, as far as the casting goes, I wanted to go against type in a lot of places too. Like Clancy Brown never gets cast in comedies, and I think he's hilarious, and I think he's great in the movie. You know, it's like Russell. Uh, even though he's the comedian, I wanted to see Russell do a little something different. I think we got that in there. It's just I, I'm very interested in going against type in a lot of cases, and I think it worked out. So I'm looking at IMDb, and you're listed as one as one of the writers here. How did the writing process go for this film? Uh, the writing process was really Dana Snyder, Andy Seitz, and I sitting in my back uh, house, kind of just hammering out first off going, who do we want to see populate this world? You know, okay, these are the elements of the heist for, you know, the genre that it has to be. This is where we want to go against type. And then at the same time, we have this character of Brock in the movie played by Brooks Brazelman, and he's... We really wanted him to play the part we wrote the movie where we wrote the part for him. 
So it's Dana's constant thing of he just, him just wanting to totally torture Brooks throughout the entire shooting of the movie. That's why Brooks is in nine different cosplay outfits. He's in a doc. He falls out of the ceiling. He gets covered in crap. That's the reason why, because we just thought it was hilarious while we were writing it. Um, and I mean, it was really kind of, we wrote it over a three month period and Andy's extremely good at structure. And Dana's always a great, what if guy trying to take it to a bigger place. And that's uh, really kind of how the writing of it came, came <clears throat> excuse me, came about. Did you write in a linear process or did you kind of go and hit the major scenes first and bounce around some? No, we, we had, we had three by five cards. I got this huge wall and we had three by five cards and we just started working out a, you know, basic kind of three act structure, but going, this is where this scene is going to be. Oh, we, we, in this movie, you have to have this scene, you know, Oh, instead of this type of heist movie, let's do the plan A, plan B, plan C. Okay. Well, that's got to go here, obviously in act two. And then you start kind of rummaging around and then going, you know what, if we're going to do this movie, I want to see Brooks have a musical number and I want to stop the movie in order to do it. Okay. Let's put that here. And it just kind of really did work out as far as the kind of the uh, three by five card of it. And, you know, putting up the whole um, uh, outline of it first, we had it all outlined out. So I'm sure there's like a lot of Easter eggs and, you know, inside jokes. So I have to ask this one question though. So, so Russell Peters character, has got this this whole stigma about playing the kid with testicular cancer. There's Adam King and, and Tex Johnson characters. Does this come from that weird uh, Haley Joel Osment thing from Walker, Texas Ranger? Do you know what I'm talking about? Dude, yeah, no, you're the first person to catch on to that. You are the first and only person. Man, we, we thank God for you, dude. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's based, it's it's literally based on Haley Joel Osmond being on a show called Walker, Texas Ranger, where Walker, he looks up at Walker, and he looks over to this old guy, and I think it's Wolford Brimley even, and he just says, uh, it's okay, Walker told me I have AIDS, and it came from this segment on Conan O'Brien. Yeah, I saw that, he pulled the lever, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, if that kid wasn't the kid from The Sixth Sense, if that wasn't Haley Joel Osmond, forever he would be the AIDS kid. You know, we just started joking and we're like, okay. And then when we knew we wanted to have a former child star for the movie, we didn't want to do Gary Coleman because it was too obvious. It's like, well, show former child star kind of implodes. It's like, you've seen that before and it's been in other movies, but the Haley Joel Osmond alternative timeline you hadn't seen. So that's really where that came from. So yeah, good eye. That was good. I've seen the skit, but I haven't seen the episode, so I have no idea what the what the context is. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, do you even even know what the context is? This kid's just, it's okay. Walker told me I have AIDS. Like, what? And then they're laughing. They're giggling afterwards. It's so weird. <laughs> so, so in addition to the script, the script's obviously very funny. You had some comedians on set. Um Russell Peters and a handful of other, you know, really funny comedians. Was there a lot of improv involved? Did you leave some room in filming for that? There was some, we, I always try to leave. I don't want to get guys like Mike Epps and, you know, uh, Russell on set and not be able to give them the, their space to be funny. You know what I mean? But what we do is we were an independent movie. We only had 19 or 20 days to shoot this thing. in, so it was pretty tight. So it'd be guys, let's make sure we get what we have in the script that we get. And then if we, discover something or we want to play around, we've got the room to do it, but we've got to be prepared and get these things knocked out first. 
And we were able to do that. And Russell, the great thing, too, about having comedians do their ad-libbing, it's not like a lot of – some actors think they can do it, but they can't. The reason why I think comedians are so good at it is because they know where the joke comes in. They know not to step on the punchline. They know, you know, how the setup's going to go. They know where they can kind of get in, say their thing, and get out, which is great. And it's a huge help. So there's a lot of stuff, and a lot of Russell stuff is all his, and it's hilarious. Well, thank you for your time. Is there anything else you want to say about the film or any future projects you're working on? Uh, I got a documentary I'll announce pretty soon, but other than that, that's about it. I hope hope everybody just enjoys it. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter. We also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.